pray, dear Heavenly Father, we praise you that we can bring glory to your name, that you have called us to serve you, and we ask that you would take our time of Bible study tonight. And Lord, though we are seeing the great destructive power of your wrath, that we would still see the great blessings and the great grace that you have blessed us with. Help us to love you and serve you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may And uh, just one other little announcement, Um, not really little, but Sunday night at the end of our uh, service time, we usually have our prayer meeting, and uh, what we're going to need to do is uh, basically enforce our church constitution, we'll need to have a closed uh, meeting just for members only after the service, we'll try to make it as short as we can, but uh, we need to start sending out some letters to people who have not been attending and those things, and as people are voted into the membership of the church, it should be reviewed by the church when people are removed from the membership roles. And, of course, I'm the world's greatest secretary. I just love all this stuff. But uh, we do need to tidy up our records. And uh, uh, we'll just uh, try probably the fifth Sunday of the month, which this will be anyway, uh, we normally pray for the families of our church. And so uh, we're... Uh, if you remember, last uh, fall we went through and, and up there, spring actually, we updated our Constitution. Uh, we've given that a little bit of time, and now uh, it's not a pleasant bit of work, but it is something that we need to attend to. And, and so uh, please be here Sunday night, if at all possible, so that uh, you can aid and, and we can just take care of those things. All right, let's take our Bibles and get back to... Um, our study in the book of Revelation. Now, we have uh, put it several different ways. Uh, We call them pauses. Uh, The action of the book of Revelation, we believe in, in a simple and literal understanding of the Scripture. And we have a lot of time references here. And as we... Uh, come into these things. We have uh, things happening in order. We have the seven seals. We then have the seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet is going to sound at the beginning of our reading here. We're in chapter uh, 11, verse 15, and we'll just read through the end of the chapter. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and watched and art to come. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints. And them that fear thy name, small and great. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices 
and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Now, I want you to skip over to chapter 15. And let's just pick up here in uh, verse 6. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, we're going to take time to review. And as I was just thinking about tonight's lesson, I said, boy, I think we've been in introduction for about the last 25 weeks. Uh, Because what we're doing right now is we're laying the groundwork, we're laying the order of events that are happening in the book of Revelation. And then what I want to do is once we get through these order of events and and uh, introduce all of the main characters, is we're going to try to take three or four weeks uh, as the Lord leads and just do an overview. So we're going to go through verse by verse, phrase by phrase now, and then we're going to go back And we're going to try to just kind of make uh, uh, a fluid picture or a running picture. It's kind of like putting together a video presentation. you got to take all the little pieces and cut them up and get everything set just right. And then you paste it all together and and it runs. And the book of Revelation, uh, you'll notice that we're not moving things around a lot, but we just did skip over three and a half chapters to pick up where the action leaves off at the end of chapter 11. God puts these pauses in here. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, God is going to take a moment and he's going to introduce us to the rest of the key players in the book of Revelation. And of course, if you turn on the prophecy channel or anything like that, Everybody wants to go to 12, 13, and 14 because we got to find out who the beast is. Uh, we got to know who the false prophet will be. And there is endless conjecture. And uh, what we don't want to do is waste our time in endless conjecture. We want to stick with the word. And when God does something, he wants us to pay attention to the action. Uh, oftentimes when uh, people are trying to speak uh, poetically and very beautifully when they're trying to give an oration, uh, the emphasis will be on the adjectives. It was not only big, it was humongous, it was fantastic, it was beyond, and the adjectives just build one upon the other. When God does something, he's not real big into adjectives. He likes verbs. And uh, that's what I want us to pay attention to because this is not a bunch of information so we can run around and say, hey, I'm smarter than you are. That's not what this is about. God is showing us what he 
is about to do. This is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Now, if we can just take 30 seconds and set the stage, chapters 1, John is introduced to the resurrected Christ. Chapters 2 and 3, John gives instruction to seven literal churches which are functioning at that time, which are the embodiment of all churches. If we want to learn about our church, we read the letters. They're not time periods as many people try to make them. And the reason we deny that idea is because no two preachers have ever come up with the same time periods. If it were truly an interpretation of Scripture, an understanding of Scripture, everybody who read it would be able to see from this year to this year when everybody comes up with something different. We know we're barking up the wrong tree, as they say. We know we're heading down uh, into the realm of the human imagination, a place we don't want to go. But I'll tell you what, can we find churches that have left their first love today? Oh, yeah. Can we find churches that Jezebel's teaching in the church? Oh, you bet you there's more of them every day. Uh, can we find churches that have a little strength, but they've kept his word and have not denied his name? I like that church. Uh, can we find lukewarm churches today? Oh, my. They're everywhere. And uh, there's only one cure. Get into the Word of God. Chapter 4. A door is opened in heaven. A voice says, come up thither. And now we begin to see what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be about the worship of God. Chapters 4 and 5. Then comes God's judgment. We have the seven seals that contain the book. And as the seven seals are opened, judgment after judgment is poured out on the earth. When that seventh seal is opened, there's silence in heaven for half an hour. And all of a sudden, seven angels line up and are given seven trumpets. It's like one of those fireworks that goes up and goes boom. And then it goes up even higher with a bigger one and then even higher. And that's what's happening here with God's wrath as the seventh seal opens seven trumpets, the last three trumpets are woes. And um, this is the seventh trumpet, the last woe. And what we have here are voices saying, the kingdoms of this world, verse 15 of chapter uh, 11 the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. How many of you know a song where those words are sung? Uh, maybe we should have just got it out here and played the Alleluia course. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of the most moving songs that has ever uh, that I have ever heard. And you get a choir and an orchestra doing that together. In fact, uh, most people are, are not aware, but uh, Mr. Handel, who wrote that song, 
put together all three hours of Handel's Messiah in less than a month. He was at the lowest part of his life spiritually, financially. Uh, Some say he had even contemplated ending his own life. And he just cornered himself up, locked himself in a room with a Bible and music and blank paper. And in less than a month, Handel's Messiah came out. And when it was played for the first time, this Alleluia course, even the king stood up in deference to the king of kings. No one had permission to sit in the presence of the king except those special ones to whom the king gave it to. And the king of England said, I shall not sit in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, I wish we had a few people over to the United Nations that felt that way today. Amen? Oh, I wish some of God's own people in His own church could get just a little of the power that belongs to our God. That we would allow ourselves, I mean... Uh, As you know, I am not one that is given to emotionalism because emotions uh, are wonderful things, but they're also like little children. You don't run them, guess what? They will run you. And that's not a pleasant place to be. Someone said emotions are the spice of life. But how many of you have ever had a pot of food that had too much spice in it to your great discomfort? Uh, We need to be careful. But we shouldn't ignore what is being said here in this verse. You see, even as the great hammer of God is about to come down, is about to finish out the wrath of Almighty God. We have great voices crying out praise and glory and worship to God. In fact, that's what our lesson is about. We're we're following the action here, and as the sixth trumpet has finished sounding, We are given this picture here that we spent time with uh, two weeks already. The uh, idea of measuring the temple of God and how that it was going to be trodden under feet by the Gentiles for half the period of this tribulation. And we have these two witnesses of whom the Bible does not give their identities, but they, uh, the simplest understanding is they will be two men. Just like Zerubbabel and Joshua of old, who was responsible for the rebuilding of the temple after the destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, so there will be a leader and a priest who will rebuild the temple in Jerusalem again. In fact, I was just scanning some articles, and uh, there is a rabbi in Israel that says the temple could be rebuilt in Israel in less than six months. 
Now, I'll tell you. Uh, There's an entire group of men who have trained themselves for the priesthood according to the Levitical law. They are making the robes of the, of the priesthood according to the biblical uh, formula and the things that are in here. And they are studying every tradition and they are making every uh, instrument for the temple. So that at the drop of the hat, the sacrifices will begin again in the city of Jerusalem. These two witnesses, once the temple is desecrated, will be preaching the gospel, how to be saved. We believe there'll be two men who are alive at that time whom God will choose to use for this. Now, I want to set the... set the. Um, picture here, let's just skip ahead, skip back here, I'm sorry, to um, Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. Now again, this is one of those little pauses uh, where the angel comes, we believe that angel in chapter 10 is the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts his foot upon the land. He puts his foot upon the sea. And uh, verse 6, he swears by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Verse 7 explains verse 6. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And so, what we have here in chapter 11 and verse 15 is the beginning of the very end. And as this last flurry of activity is going to happen, we hear the great voices. All authority on earth has now been removed. Only Jesus is in charge. Men are still going to be trying to kill men, still trying to rebel against God. But look what it says here in verse 16. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell on their faces and worshipped God. And again, the the simplest uh, and best understanding of the four and twenty elders is we have twelve tribes of Israel. We have 12 apostles of the Lamb. These are assembled together in heaven at this point, and they will be added to by those that are uh, that will die and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, actually believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then die during the tribulation period. But these are the saints the prophets, as is said here, and they're going to fall on their faces and worship God. 
Now it's interesting, the first thing that these 24 elders say here, we give the what? Did you read? We give the what? Thanks. Doesn't that sound a little strange? I mean, the seven angels are beginning to line up as this is happening with the seven vials of the last of the fulfillment of the wrath of God. The voice has, the great voices have said the, the, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty and four elders say thank you. You know, if there's something that is missing in our worship of God, it's probably this one thing that happens right here. How often do we stop to give God thanks? These are for when we give God thanks, we're thanking Him for what He has done. That's what we try to do here at our church every Sunday night during our testimony time is we want to give God thanks for things that He has accomplished in our lives. We want to bring these things before the Lord. Thankfulness is the key to so many things in your life. If you forget to say thank you to God, we insult God, of course. But we hurt ourselves far more than we do God. I remember one time, and this was years ago, and please don't try to figure out who the subject of some of my examples are. But I had a, a couple that, that was uh, having some real difficulties. And I said, you know, something that will change your marriage is to be thankful one to another. And I said, I want you to sit down and write some things that you are thankful of. In fact, I'm, I'm going to ask you to write five things each day. And about that time, one of them just looked at me. That, that's over 30 things. He said, you got a whole week. You could, you could figure out that many. I don't think so. Well, no wonder there were problems. How often do we do that to our God? We just forget. It says, we give thee thanks. And here's why they give thanks. O Lord God. Now look at this. Almighty. They are naming God. If you want to worship God, use his names. If you've ever met one of our Friendly neighborhood Jehovah's Witnesses. First question, what is his name? And they want you to say Jehovah. I, and I always answer them, God has many names. And he wants us to use them all. But what is his real name? God. The Almighty. Look what it says. O oh, Lord God. The word Lord, 
when we talk about salvation. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. How many of you are glad that God is in charge and not the Republican Party? That God is in charge and not the Democrats. Uh, that God is in charge and Lord forbid the Libertarians. Oh my. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. But Lord means ruler, master, owner. God means the supreme being. And you'll notice there's a comma there in your King James Bible. And another one, capital, Almighty. That's another title for God. The next time you get worried about everybody taking over the world. And and I remember, and my wife can remember this as young people growing up in And uh, there were some preachers that said that God's going to judge this country and there'll be a hammer and sickle flying over the White House. I'll tell you what, that would be light compared to some of the things that are actually going on in this country right now today. The wickedness that people talk about in the streets... You had to knock on a door and go into a hidden room to get books and tapes that talked about those things when I was a kid. Because if the police found out about it, they hauled you and the books in the store off to jail. But now we have 10 and 12-year-old kids walking up and down the street talking about all the same things. Let me tell you something. It's because God is not in charge. That's how far away from God our nation has moved. But it's not going to stay that way, my friend. Look what it says. Oh, Lord God Almighty, the next time you get discouraged, read your Bible. He is the Almighty, which art, that means is, and wast, that means was, and art to come. The way I like to say it, and of course this is just a little much more crude than our Bible, which is, is, was, is, and always will be is, because God is always present tense. Amen? And... They are worshiping him because he was, he is, and he is to come. Now look at this last phrase here. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hath reigned. Has anyone ever thought, I just wish God would take over this place and end all of this wickedness? Well, the reason it hasn't happened yet is because it hasn't been fulfilled in his prophecy according to God's time. But how many of you remember what has happened on earth to this point? We have a third of the fresh water supply polluted, meaning that if anybody drinks of it, they die. All the green grasses burn up. A third of the trees are gone. We have... Uh, A third of the ocean is dead. 
Nothing living in it and all the life that is in that ocean and all the ships have been destroyed. We have an army marching that is given 390 days to wipe out one-third of the population of the entire earth. It's on the move as we speak. I mean, that accounts for over two-thirds of the world's population, and we're not done yet. That's somewhere around four and a half billion people. And that doesn't count. God's toll is not counting those that have given their lives for the cause of Christ. This is talking about God's judgment upon the unsaved world. And we already are going to add to that the untold multitude, the 144,000 plus the unnumbered multitude of every kindred, every race, which has already given their lives for the testimony of Christ. How many of you are glad God hasn't taken that power yet? When he does, this is what's going to happen. And so they are worshiping and praising God. For he has taken his great power and has reigned. Look at verse 18. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. Now, I want you just to flip back very quickly to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. This was written, as far as we understand, though it's not actually signed by David, we believe it was written by David. It says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And I will, de- I will declare the decree, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost part, uh, parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now, we have here the the elders. Uh, Zach, this thing's squeaking. Uh, we have the elders... Looking and they are praising God for taking his great power. And yet they are looking at the world and they're saying, listen, the wrath is come. The nations were angry. And there's a challenge. 
It is time for us to surrender ourselves. In 1 Thessalonians 1.10, it says that he'll keep them. He'll keep his church from the wrath to come. Then we come to the next thing, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Now, we, we have this whole list right here. It is the time of the dead. Those that have gone on before are going to be judged by God. We talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, the judgment seat of Christ, where the Christians are held in account. Now remember, if you're saved, does God judge you for your sin? No, your sins were judged on Calvary's cross. Jesus took God's wrath. He drank the cup of God's wrath so that you and I do not need to taste it. He took it for us. We will be judged for our works. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, Paul put it this way, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know, people have written songs, just give me a little cabin in the corner of heaven, and drop kick me Jesus through the goalpost of life, and some of these other little silly songs that are out there. God's people are not trying to get to heaven by the skin of their teeth. And if you find yourself in that group, I challenge you, you better do something about it now because you might not be able to do something about it later. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit of God living inside us does not give us an option to be worldly, carnal, dead, unserving servants of Christ. I mean, that doesn't make sense. The time is coming when we're going to be judged. He's going to reward the prophets, the saints, them that fear thy name. He's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. I love this. I don't know if you think the way I do, but we have a lot of people running around screaming about the destruction of the world now, don't we? You're going to destroy the world. We have global warming going on and, and it's all man-made and, and, and we've got to stop breathing and, and it'll go away. No, it won't go away. By the way, they used to call Greenland Greenland because it used to be green. Now there's 130 feet of ice cap on top. Uh, if it melts off, hey, maybe we'll be back to where it was when it was green. Amen. Uh, that might not be such a bad thing. But I, I'm not worried about those that destroy the earth. I'm not destroying the earth by driving an automobile. You want me to tell you how you destroy the earth? By following in Adam and Eve's sin. That's what destroyed the earth. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Those that destroy the earth are those that withhold food from the hungry. There's food on this earth for everyone that's here. 
It's not that we can't grow it. We could grow enough wheat in Kansas to feed every starving person on the face of the earth. But what are we doing? We're paying the farmers not to raise the crops. Why? I don't know. I wish I understood. Well, maybe I'm glad I don't understand. I'll understand my Bible. It doesn't make sense to me. Why people would withhold food. Why people would try to annihilate other people. Why people are bombing people. You know, we talk about all of this hate crimes. Is there a crime that is not a hate crime? When one person hurts another person, is not hatred involved? Let, let's, let's get this thing real. The Bible tells us here that God's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. Uh, let me tell you something. Old Adolf Hitler's going to come up for remembrance. How much destruction did he bring upon the earth? You talk about them, the, the most polluted country on the face of the earth. Who knows where it is? It's not here. It's China. God's going to destroy them. He's going to destroy those that destroy the earth. And we've got something interesting going on here. Is verse 19, the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And... Uh, say, where does this come in? Well, everything that God does is connected to his word. These angels, let's go to chapter 15. And I'm just going to try to tie this in and, be, and finish tonight. John sees another sign in heaven, a great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues. Look at the last phrase of verse 1 in chapter 15. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. And here we have uh, the, the next several verses, and we're just skimming over the top, a group of people who are praising God. These are the ones that served God and did not surrender to the beast, his name, his number, and they are singing special praise to God. Look at verse 5. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, and the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plates, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke, with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. We have this time of praising again this, this 
session of praise being given to God and to his Christ, to God the Father and God the Son. We have the angels coming out of the temple. Again, the temple is the picture of the very presence, the very existence of God, the place where he is worshipped. The words of the little book are God's wrath. These angels are going to be carrying them and the temple is filled with smoke until God's wrath is accomplished. Now, I don't know if we can get a hold of this. What is heaven about? It's about the worship of God. What is God about to do? Suspend worship until his wrath is accomplished. That is a terrifying thought, is it not? And you say, what is the application for you and I? Worship the Lord. Don't forget to give him thanks for what is going on today. Amen. Say, nothing happened that was very good today. Oh, wait a minute. Open your eyes. Are you still breathing? That's the goodness of God. Did September 11th happen again? Hey, that's the goodness of God. God has stopped so many things. We still have freedom to assemble in His name. That is His goodness. Let's be thankful to Him. Let's praise His name. Let's be thankful that He has not yet taken all of his power to him. Because once he does, I mean, everything on this earth is going to be pulled apart. Because you know what? Everybody thinks they're in charge of something. Work for the Board of Elections. I have one little lady. She doesn't like all the rules at the Board of Elections. So she calls me the boss. And I said, listen, I'm not the boss. I'm just doing what they say. Okay, boss. And uh, everybody wants to be in charge of something. Except the people who are really in charge of something, they wish somebody else were. Isn't that the way it works? Let God be in charge in your life. Amen? Be thankful for the things that He is working. And when you get overwhelmed with all the rotten stuff going on, Remember that He is the Lord God Almighty. And the moment that we have right now, we can still worship Him and we can still lead others to Him. Let's take advantage of what we have because the time is short. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. We ask that You would encourage us in Your worship that you would help us to remember that there is a time of reward for the service. And Lord, there will be a time when we won't be able to worship you, even in heaven, as your wrath is poured out upon the inhabitants of this earth in a scope that has never been fathomed by the imagination of mankind. Lord, give us grace to be your servants. 
It's in your name we pray. We'll just have the piano begin to play. If you need to spend a little time with the Lord, just slip out.